0: has evolved to almost a science for those who do it on purpose and who do it like a pro, so as to expand their influence and become known as the go-to person for what you do and what you offer. Let me ask you guys, are you networking effectively and on purpose? You have tuned in to Debt-Free Wealth Radio with Trudy Behrman. Thank you for taking me along with you as you're listening in on your mobile phone, on the web, or through our syndicated outlets. Welcome. I invite you to come on board as we explore all things money. Here I teach biblical financial strategies to Christian income earners because the Bible is a practical, relevant guide to success. Today's topic is Networking on Purpose. Networking like a pro, expanding your influence by getting known in your space. Networking is much more than a simple exchange of business cards at a meet and greet. Networking Networking has evolved to almost a science for those who do it on purpose, who have to expand their influence and... Become known as the go-to person for what they do and offer. Today, my guest is my guest expert is Topher Morrison. He is a managing director of Key Person of Influence USA, a growth accelerator firm that has worked with over 1,000 companies globally to help them dominate their market share. He is featured in the award-winning documentaries The Compass and Riches, and his first book, Stop Chasing Perfection and Settle for Excellence. Has been hailed as a self-help book for people who are sick of self-help books. Uh, Topher, thank you for coming. Hi, how are, are you? you? There? Awesome. Yes, I am. So glad
1: to have you.
0: So so glad to have you. So, guys, Topher is the key person of influence. For those who want to become a key person of influence, I know I have sat under him for a while. And listen, I, you know, I have a few questions for him. Um, I, I want him to to know that I totally appreciate him being here with us today. And so, Topher, um, just at the start, just because people have short attention spans, throw your website out there so that and we'll we'll bring it up again at the end. But how can people connect with you?
1: Key of dot com. It's real simple. <laughs> key dot com. And I should clarify, uh the the name Key Person of Influence is not my uh my my role or my job title. So I'm actually not a key person of influence for the people that are trying to be key person of influence, but I appreciate the, the warm sentiment. Uh I don't know that I feel comfortable with that. Your person of influence thanks.
0: to me. <laughs>
1: okay, I'll take that I guess.
0: <laughs>
1: Let's hope it's a good influence.
0: It is a good influence. All right. So, um, now, I have been to quite a few KPI events, key personal influence, KPI, KPI events, in case yep. I bring that up again. Um, and yep. one thing that I noticed, it was very obvious, no matter what type of event it was, it was all around the concept of building influence, particularly personal influence. In order to truly achieve that goal, KPI talks about five pillars, if you will, that together move a person to become a key person of influence. Can you just quickly, Topher, give us a quick overview of what those five pillars are?
1: Yeah, sure. Well, before before I go through the five pillars, maybe I should clarify what we think influence is because I don't want people to think that this is a five-step process for something that it's not. Mm -hmm. For us, influence Mm -hmm. is a noun. It's not a verb. And I think in the business world, far too often, people consider influence as something that you do to someone. I need to go to a seminar and I need to learn how to influence people more effectively or influence people more powerfully. I need to shorten my sales cycle, so I need to learn skills of influence. And they treat it as though it's a verb. Uh, For me, the only time you ever have to learn those type of skills to be influencing other people as a verb is if you don't have influence as a noun. The most influential ah. people in the world don't need to go to a seminar and learn how to change people's minds. They don't need to go to a program or read a book and l- learn tactics on how to overcome objections and convince people to do things. That's all, that's that's looking at it as a verb. For us, it's an essence. It's who you are at your core. It's built into the DNA of your business. It's built into the DNA of your identity. And it's that That it's that X factor, it's that magic element that is intangible that can't be touched or tasted or smelled. But we all know it when we're around it. You know, you you can't isolate it, but you know it, you feel it. When somebody of influence walks into a room, I was at the uh, Tampa Bay leadership yesterday, and uh, there's 150 people in this cocktail party. And when Rhea Law walked into the room, who's one of the most well respected attorneys in Tampa Bay, people came to her. She never had to actually walk around the room and approach people because she was so busy with people approaching her. They wanted to be with her. I saw her and I go, Rhea, hi, how are you? And I kind of was gravitated. I was pulled in like a homing beacon. And that's because she has such a huge level of influence in her essence and who she is. It's a noun for her. It's not a verb. Uh, And as a result, that's also probably why she's an incredibly successful attorney. So all of our soft skills, those five points that you asked me about, they don't help you become more influential. They help you to be influential. Uh, And there's a real big difference there. Uh, The the five pillars of influence, and and you can can track this with the most influential individuals in the world, not just in corporate, but you can look at the political ones. You can look at the religious ones. Uh, Martin Luther King had these same traits. Um, Mother Teresa had these same traits. The Pope has these same traits. So it can be in religion. It can be in Uh, activists like Nelson Mandela, he had these traits. Uh, They have five specific traits, so here they are. The first one is they have unbelievable levels of clarity. Uh, And when I say clarity, I think far too many people misunderstand the notion of clarity as well. They think that what I'm referring to is internal clarity. And they go, well, I have tremendous clarity. I know where I'm going, and I know my value, and I know what I do. And, the, and, uh, and ironically, sometimes a tremendous amount of internal clarity can actually get in the way of you having what we refer to as external clarity. External clarity is, does everybody around you know what you stand for? Do they know what you're about? Do they know what you do? Do they know what value you bring to the table? That's where clarity is. I don't care if you're personally clear on where you're heading and what you're doing and where you're going in life. I care if other people know. Because frankly, if, you, if other people have more clarity about your life than you do, the chances are they're going to be able to keep you on the track. They're going to keep you focused and they're going to keep you going and making the right decisions anyway because you can't go there alone. So this external clarity is you have the ability to communicate with people with such articulation, such clarity, that they really understand what you do. If you look at somebody like an Elon Musk, here's a great example. Uh, Elon Musk is trying to – shoot a rocket from this planet, have it go up into space, and then come back down and land in the same location that it took off. That's absolutely absurd. It's an insane goal. It makes no sense. It's crazy on every aspect of the realm. And yet somehow he has the ability to articulate that objective and that goal with such clarity that people at the end of a meeting go, yeah, totally get it, totally makes sense. I get it. We take the rocket off here, it shoots up into space, it comes back down, it turns around, and it lands just like you're backing up a car. I don't know why we can't do that. He's the guy to do it, right? He just has that ability to create that. That's the first thing is do you have that level of clarity? If you don't, the other four are completely irrelevant. I see people all the time, they go, oh, yeah, I got clarity, I got clarity. What's the next step? I'm like, do you really have clarity? Because I still have no clue what the heck you do. Uh, and and the, the the thing with clarity is that it doesn't matter if you think you're clear. What matters is do other people think you're clear. So when you're delivering your pitch, when you get up to a networking event, and you're talking about networking, right? How many times do you go up and you meet somebody and you shake their hand and you tell them what they do, what you do, and and you walk away and you think, man, I nailed it. They really got it. But did they? Like, are they walking away going, "What the heck did that person just tell me? I don't even understand what the heck that is." I met a woman one time who told me she built cranial prosthetics. I'm like, cranial prosthetics—that sounds amazing. Uh, you know, what did you have? Is that a, are you an MD? Is that you know? And I'm thinking that this is like an incredible thing that she does. And you know, it, she built wigs. She sold wigs. I'm like, just call it a damn wig. Don't call it a cranial prosthetic. <laughs> makes no sense, okay. you know? She probably thought it was real clever. Uh, and it was, and I even complimented her and made it feel good. With it, but i it was I'm walking away, just going, I don't understand. So anyway, that's the first step. The second one is do you have the credibility to back up the clarity? So, you know, the reality is Elon Musk could be as clear as he wanted to about launching a rocket, but if people don't respect him, if they don't rate him, if they don't give him any kind of credibility, then it ain't going to work anyway. So the second step, in that uh, ingredient of having influence, is that you have to be credible. Uh, people have to respect you. They have to know who you are, what you're about. Um, and it's far too often people – share with you, you, you will talk about networking. Here's a fun networking story. I meet this lady, Lauren, at, uh, at a, at a meet, networking event the other day. And she tells me that she's a financial advisor. And she says that she specializes in helping couples who are getting a divorce get their finances in order so that neither one of them loses their life savings, And I love that. Lots of clarity, right? Uh, And she'd been in the business, I don't know, I think five, 10 years. I'm not sure. Um, But tremendous levels of clarity. Got along with her. uh, And there's another guy standing there. And she walks away. And I look at him and I go, what do you do? And this guy goes, oh, my name's Howard. I do the same thing she does. But I've been doing it twice as long. And... (laughs) And he acted as if just the fact that he'd been doing financial advising twice as long as somebody else, that that was going to make sure that I gave him credibility. Well, time spent on the job does assist in bringing one's credibility up. I mean, obviously, if somebody's been doing something for 30 years, we probably are prone to give them a little bit more credibility than a newbie. But to think that just putting punching the clock in and getting your 10,000 hours to become amazing is going to give you the credibility to have people want to do business with you is a false nomer, And it makes no sense, especially in the collaboration age where we have more service-focused individuals than ever before. The services that people provide have become commoditized to where there's no inherent difference between what one financial advisor does and what the other one does anyway. Uh, And for him to just think that he can ride on his coattails because he's been doing it for 30 years and I'm going to respect him, it didn't work. Uh, There's other ways to have more credibility in the marketplace than just punching the clock. And frankly, people don't want to wait for that. They don't they don't want to put in the time anymore. They don't want to be able to have their credibility faster. So that begets the question, how do you have that credibility faster? Uh, and uh, the most efficient form of credibility is to get published in as many places as you possibly can, whether that be blogs or news journals or news uh, reports or trade magazines or newspapers or um, uh, anything. And, and ideally, even you know, having your own published book. You know, I... I, uh, I going on the financial advisor route, you know, there's 15,000 financial advisors in the Tampa Bay area probably. How many of those financial advisors have written a book? What, maybe 50? So, by writing a book, you go from the masses of being one of the same 15,000 people that are out there to being in the top 50 overnight. It's a it's a brass pass, it's a front, it's a short ticket to 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 behind that velvet rope and it makes a big difference. Um, how are we doing, Trudy? Is this kind of what you were looking for? Do you want me to go through all five, or are Absolutely, or we
0: absolutely. And I I mean, I didn't want to interrupt you, but based on what you de- declared as uh, influence being a noun, that's why I want to <laughs> reinforce, uh, Topher, that's exactly what you are in my world. And. Um, no, thanks. Fantastic stuff so far. I mean, I love the, the, the concept that you're you're putting forward about that clarity, not just of who we think, <laughs> we think we're clear, but that others yeah. are very clear about what it is we do. That's fantastic. And on the yeah. published side, uh, I know you've published a book. I've published a book. And by the way, I can help people get their books published too. So, okay, so we've talked about clarity. You've talked about credibility and one of the big ways of shortening that uh, Timeline
1: to be incredible is publishing a book. What else? Yeah. Uh, well, actually, I'll give them a real quick tip on the credibility side. If you ever want to know if you're not – sorry, credible uh, clarity. If you ever want to know if you're not clear and you're at a networking event, here's a great way as a test to know if your pitch is not landing well and it doesn't make sense and it's not clear. If when you're done and you tell people what you do, if they say, oh, that's nice, you missed the mark. (laughs) Beware of the polite response. That's probably one of the worst responses you could ever have. And chances are, they don't understand the damn thing. Uh, All right. The third element, uh, we talked about the clarity. We talked about the credibility. The third element is the ability to scale your business to such a level that you have no functional duties inside the business. Um, And this is a big one. And it's the one that probably most entrepreneurs struggle with, uh, including myself, by the way. I mean, this is the one that's that, you know I battle with more than probably any of the other five as well is have you scaled your business in such a way where you don't have any day to day functional activities in the business, so you look at your Richard Bransons, your bill Gates, your uh, Elon Musks your Kim Cooks these people have no functional duty; they don't have a um, uh, you know a, a list of things they have to get done today or their review is going to suffer it's It's not like that there are a lot of functional things that have to happen in a business and they should rarely be done by the person who owns the business because the moment you as a business owner are getting sucked into doing the functional duties of your business, you don't own the business. The business owns you, and you don't really even own a company. You really just kind of own a job, and there's a difference between that. So have you scaled yourself in a way? Now, that's question always comes up when I say that, like, well, yeah, but I'm a small business owner. I am my product. I am my business. I'm a financial advisor. I'm a doctor. Of course, I have functional duties. I can't outsource. I can't have my secretary do the operations or administer the shots. Yep, I get that. But there's something far more, um, uh, let's see, how do I say this, Uh, innocuous in the business than just doing those type of things. Those are all functional duties that if you do them, you'll never be able to grow or scale your business. So if the doctor is insisting that they have to inject the shots or they have to administer, I think that's fine, but just they need to realize that they need to charge a premium for what they do to compensate the fact that they can't scale their business effectively. The most successful physicians that have huge businesses with multiple offices rarely actually administer shots. How do they get people to still get the shots? Well, they have policies and procedures in their business in place that are so specifically detailed that when they train somebody to do it, that person can do it as good, maybe even better. But even if it's not as good, it's still good enough. I'd much rather have two employees that can do something 70% as good as I can than have me do something as good as I can do 100% of the time. I'll be more effective with people doing things for me. Uh, as a small business owner, the biggest illusion is to think that nobody can do what you do. Uh, uh, it's just, it's it's a lie <laughs> that we tell ourselves to make ourselves feel good about what we're doing. But the reality is 99% of the things that we do on a day-to-day basis, we don't need to do it. We could outsource that and hire people to do it.
0: That is a tough one, um, I'll, I'll admit. Yeah. Um, we've had two businesses that failed to grow for that exact reason, so I am right there yeah. with you.
1: <laughs> yeah, so as far as the strategy on how do you fix that, well, you start with simple, small things, you know. First off, uh, look at the things that you hate to do in your business and outsource that. Um, I, I call it outsourcing my misery. You know, One of the things that I just bring me out of my flow that suck the energy and the life out of me, and I don't do them anymore. I hire people to do those, whether they be my employees or whether they be independent contractors. Um, I don't care, but I don't want to waste my time doing the functional things that bring me down and, and depress me and stress me out and make my – Ooze want to come out of my brain because I can't stand looking at a, a spreadsheet or something like that. But the other well, thing do is... We, even the functional There's
0: somebody who would enjoy doing it,
1: yeah. Yeah, exactly. It. Even the functional things that we do, you know. So let's say, for example, Trudy, You're doing a one-on-one consultation with somebody uh, for your services, and you know that you have to have a sales presentation there. You know that you have to sit there and do a bit of a discovery where you ask them questions, they answer them, they ask you questions, you answer them. And you know that that's going to take 35 minutes, 45 minutes, maybe even an hour, depending upon how much you charge. Usually the more you charge, the longer it takes for the, uh, the sale to happen, typical. How much of that stuff do you say every single time during a sales presentation the exact same way? My protocol is if you say the same thing more than uh, five times a week, you should never say it again. You should get it in video. You should get it into a podcast. You should get it uh, on some audio download. I don't care if it's a podcast, but very efficient. Um, uh, You should get it into print in a book or a report, an infographic uh, or some sort of – uh, personality test where people can ask like if you ask the same exact questions in your sales presentation every single time, why not create a form and have them fill it out before they get there? Now that thirty five right. minute meeting can only take ten minutes. Yeah. Right. Yeah,
0: I'm <coughs> working on so that. There are ways I have almost five hundred videos so far. All right. So we've got um that is yeah. what would you call yeah. that? Is that the productize or not?
1: Yeah, that's productizing. It's taking the intangible okay. and putting it into some sort of a product. Uh, and then the okay. fourth component uh, is to raise your profile. This is a funny one. Profile is making sure that people know who you are. So getting your name out, getting it on TV, on radio, um, uh, getting it uh, on blogs, getting it on the online, getting it out in the community, to where your name starts coming up for all the right reasons. The funny thing is when I ask business owners, and I say out of these five elements, you know, from having clarity in the workplace to having credibility in the marketplace to having scalability in the industry to having visibility in your business so where people know who you are. What's the most important out of those? What's the one that if you fix that one would turn your business around? And every single time the business answer owners with visibility. They say, yeah, if I could just get more people to know about what I do, my business would be so much better off. That's the biggest challenge for me is making sure – that people know about me instead of my competitors. And the funny thing is they're wrong most of the time. And the reason they're wrong most of the time is because they have bad pitching. Their clarity is off. They don't have as much credibility as they should. Think about this. If you have no credibility in the marketplace and everybody knows who you are, how is that going to help you? If you have Mm -hmm. massive visibility in the marketplace but your pitch is so poor that nobody understands what you do but the the entire population of your city knows that you make cranial prosthetics, but they don't know what a cranial prosthetic is, how's that going to help you? How's that going to benefit you, right? So the reality is, and, and furthermore, if everybody in the city knows who you are, but you haven't scaled your business to accommodate all those leads, you're going to have terrible customer service issues. You're going to be not going to be able to answer all the leads, and people are going to get a superior walk away. Visibility is a blessing, but it can also be a curse if you haven't taken care of the first three things before you take care of the fourth. Mm-hmm. The fifth one yep. is all about partnerships. And that's the ability to forge and create partnerships. And the key thing there is, you know, I talk to people all the time. And they go, oh, yeah, I'm great at calling, uh, creating partnerships. I can pick up the phone call anybody and set up a partnership. And, I'm, and I always tell them, I say, well, that's your problem. The problem is that you still have to pick up the phone to create the partnership. Because the most influential people never have to pick up the phone to create the partnership. The phone rings because people are calling them because they want to partner with them. Uh, and you know, here's a great example <laughs> which I hate using, but it's a pretty cool example. Just recently, Burger King tried making peace with McDonald's, and they put out some full-page ads in the New York Times, the LA Times, and they said, Peace One Day is coming up on September 21st, McDonald's. How about you and I settle this burger war, and for one day only, we'll make a McWhopper. And it'll be a combination of the Whopper and the uh, Big Mac, and we'll sell them at kiosks all over the country, and all of the money will go to Peace One Day as a charitable cause. McDonald's said no. Who had more influence in that negotiation?
0: Mm-hmm. McDonald's.
1: McDonald's, Because they didn't have to make the offer. A Burger King went to them and made the offer. And in the world of burgers, who's winning every single year? McDonald's. They have more influence. They're not a great product, by the way, but they do have more influence than Burger King. Mm-hmm. So how okay, is your ability so to create you- partnerships and people call you? Go yeah. Go ahead.
0: So you basically covered pitch, publish, productize, profile, and partnership. And just for the audience, guys, if you want to know where you stand with these, KPI has a quiz. I personally took it and I scored in the mid-range of 48, so I've got a long way to go on this. But Topher, can you just throw that link out there Is that also available at uh, keypersonofinfluence.com?
1: Yeah, actually if they, if they they can go there and they'll find it eventually. Uh, they can search scorecard. But actually, if they want to go to the direct URL, it's just uh, keypersonofinfluence.com, and then they should put forward slash scorecard, and it takes them right into the test, and they can take it. 40 minutes, uh, sorry, 40 minutes, 40 questions, takes about four minutes, yes, no questions, and it measures their level of influence on all five areas of those uh, uh, influence scores. And then it gives them an overall score. So the score that you said, the 46, was the commercial viability of influence. And then there's individual scores on a scale from one to 10 on each one of those. So it's possible you can have actually high scores on the individual components and a low score in the overall commercial viability. It's also possible to have a high score in the commercial viability and actually low scores on the individual components because one is from an internal perspective and the other one is how does – well, one is almost like how you are and the other one is how the market perceives
0: you. Right, right. Um, Now – which is we're getting to really the real core of, of what I wanted to pull out in this whole networking thing. Um, it it just seems to me that influence really, you know, this whole thing that we're talking about here um, opens doors, uh, just like the network, mm-hmm. the um, Burger King thing you just shared. It opens doors, and I've seen this because I see the people you run with, Topher, and, it, it you know, it, it just seems to me that the, the net worth of your network just seems to be totally amazing. So if you could just share and just reinforce this concept that who you know and who knows you really does impact someone's bottom line.
1: Yeah. it's um, uh, You know, it's funny. I am blessed, by the way, with some of the people that I get to spend time with. And I, I, I'm humbled, and I don't even know why the heck they allow me to hang out in their circle sometimes because they're worth way more than I am. But uh, I think, if I were to guess, it has something to do with this one notion, because I've, I've heard before, and you just said that uh, it's, not who knows, it's not who you know, but who knows you, right? Um, I would even maybe go one step further and say that it's not who you know, and it's not who knows you, but it's who you connect to who that will make the difference. Well, I think the reason why these people invite me to their events and they let me be around them uh, is because I aggressively go after ways to help them. So when I go to a networking event, you know, and I know you this is basic for you, Trudy, but you see it all the time. You see these people that go to these networking events and they just basically vomit their business cards onto every single person they can and collect as many business cards as they can. And you know damn well that this, the moment you get home, you're going to get some templated email from them trying to sell you their services, because most people, and it's an unsophisticated thought process, go to a networking event for the purpose of trying to find a sale. And I never go to a networking event with the purpose of trying to find my next customer. I think it's a pointless time to do that. It's a waste of time. I like to go to networking events for the purpose of trying to create my next relationship. And there's a real big difference because one is transactional and happens once, and one is ongoing and happens forever. And so when I go to a networking event, my favorite questions are, tell me who your ideal customer is. Who's your target market? And when I can find that out, when I can isolate that, then my goal is to actually find somebody else in that room to introduce that individual to. So for me, it's never about collecting business cards and distributing them. It's about I'm going to go there. I'm going to try to to meet person A up with person C, and I'm going to try to introduce person B up to person E. And I want them to connect because I know that if I can connect them together and that transaction happens, I've just formulated and established a powerful relationship, one which will pay dividends to me someday, but I don't have to keep track of that now.
0: Yes, I agree. And on that note, the whole vomiting of business cards, you couldn't have said it any better. Um, so smart smart entrepreneurs will network effectively and you kind of just gave us an idea of going for the relationship rather than hoping to find the sale. So let me ask you this. You have created and been a part of some really happening mixers. What do you see are some of the hot trends now coming out of, you know, the – the run of the the run of the mill meet and greet is just not working, and I think people are getting right. ha- getting that point, and they're no longer really interested. So, when they hear a networking yep. event, you almost have to sell your networking event because the the no you know the 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 reputation of what networking events have come out to just you know people are not interested in that. But there are some some new ways of doing things. I know you've been creating some of those, and you have people, clients in your network who create some interesting ones. So what are those hot trends you see coming out in the network mixers today?
1: I don't know that this is a trend yet, but this is where networking is is heading. And it all has to do with the collaboration age kicked off and the information age is dead. In the information age, it was about networking and trying to collect as much information as you can, call the business card. In the collaboration age, it's all about how do you team up and meet up and partner up with individuals. What we're going to start seeing, uh, and I certainly hope this happens, we'll see, uh, but my prediction is that as the collaboration age continues to grow, we're going to start seeing niched networking events. So there will be a networking event exclusively for personal trainers. There will be a networking event exclusively for radio show personalities. There will be a networking event exclusively for chiropractors. And On the surface, that seems crazy because why would one chiropractor want to network with another chiropractor? Why would one personal trainer want to network with another one? Well, because if you've got 10 personal trainers together in one room and each of them agreed to work with such a specific niche that they never had to play outside that realm, you could have one CrossFit, you could have one pregnancy fitness, you could have one yoga, you could have one personal trainer, you could have one uh, maybe SEAL trainer. You could have one uh, running club. You could have one um, uh, uh, water polo club. I don't know what they have. Right? They can have all these different types of niches. And then those people can collectively agree that they won't do business outside of their niche market, but they will always be referring people to the other markets. So when somebody calls me to ask for personal training and I'm a CrossFit guy, I don't in desperation take that one client. I do what's right, and I say, you know what? That's not my specialty, and I and I, I want to be good. I want to do good by you and give you the best service possible. If you ever are interested in CrossFit, I'm your guy, and everybody in Tampa will tell you that. But you need to call this guy for personal training. And by the way, if you call any other of these ten trainers, they'll tell you the exact same thing. This is the one personal trainer for you. And if we start having such specifically niched professions like that, what they're gonna, what you're going to discover is they're going to be far more effective because. The notion of doing business with someone simply because they are in a club or in a networking event that you're in is an antiquated thing based upon the days of the horse and buggy. If you look at how we've done business, we used to do business based upon location. I bought my milk from the closest dairy farmer. Why? Because I don't have a car. (laughs) I don't even know what a car is, right? I have my farm. They have a dairy farm. I grow wheat. They grow cows. So I'm going to get the milk from them. They're going to get the wheat from me. Well, then when the horse and buggy came on, I didn't have to get milk from that person. If I wanted to, I could go four farms down, but I probably still did business with the closest one. But then when the horseless carriage came out and had a car, then I could drive all the way across city. All of a sudden, the need to do business with somebody just because they were in my location diminished. Well, then when the invention of planes came out, all of a sudden I didn't have to do business just in people in my city. Now I could fly to the other side of the country. So now that expansion of location went even further. And then as we developed um, jet uh, planes that could fly all the way across the continent, now I was no longer responsible. I didn't have to do business with you just because you lived in the same country that I lived in. I could do business all over the world. And then with the invention of the Internet, I didn't even have to fly. And so what we've done is technology has allowed us to no longer care about the location that somebody is doing business. You and I are doing this show, and we're not even in the same room together. That's pretty cool. That couldn't happen 15, 20 years ago effectively. Um, now it happens flawlessly. So this, So networking was all based originally on this concept of, well, let's get all the people that are in business in Tampa together, and we'll have them exchange business. But now – I don't have to have you design my website because you live in Tampa. I can have that done in Afghanistan by somebody who's 10 times cheaper, right? So what we're going to see is we're going to have to get a different reason for why we network, and it's not going to be location-based. It's going to be profession-based.
0: Well, you know, one of the things I've had on my show, for lots of people who are in my space, and I... At first, I had to almost convince them to to come into my space because we do on the surface the same thing. But years ago, when I you know was even thinking of stepping into this whole thing of teaching biblical financial strategies, it was, well, why should I bother? There are already so many you know experts and gurus out there and and the Lord you know showed me that you know what if with all those millions of songs out there. What a sad thing if another song was never made just because there were songs before. And what I realized is that my voice deserves to be heard, and there is a, an audience that will resonate with me and only with me. And, and what I also found is that if I have five people speak on the very same topic you're going to get five different versions of that topic, yeah. and so I've just I've embraced collaboration, and I feel no sense of competition. No matter who you are, where you are, what you do, it doesn't matter to me. Um, I embrace collaboration freely now, with with absolutely no problem, regardless of location. Right. So that's fantastic. What you just said. All right. Well, we're going to wrap this up. A uh, talker, really. I do appreciate. Is there anything else you think we should know about networking on purpose? And doing it effectively, no. so that we get. I
1: think we've covered dope. the gamut pretty well for today. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Awesome. Well, just one more time, just share share that website. And again, guys, we have Topher Morrison and key person influences is, is all is in in many countries of the world. Um, if you're if you're in the United States in particular, Topher is the guy, at least I don't care what you say, Topher, that's my, that's my thing. I'm going to tell you, Topher Bless is the you. guy. And <laughs> I want to really thank you, Topher, for being my guest today. And, um, my pleasure. Just, just share again one more time that website and a phone number if you wish um, for people sure. to connect with you.
1: Yeah, it's keypersonofinfluence.com, K-E-Y, keypersonofinfluence.com. And uh, they can call us locally here in Tampa, Florida, 813-258-4372. We do have clients all over the country. We even have a couple that are outside of the country here that come out and go to our programs in the U.S. But that's 813-258-4372,
0: keypersonofinfoins.com. Hello. Hello. Yeah, I'm here. We have lost him there. I'm not sure. All right, guys. Well, good thing is he was uh, wrapping up. Um, we got the website. I hope you squeaked. He, you heard that phone number he squeaked in. If not, I will put it on the show page for you. So, And I will also include that website. So however you found the show today, uh, there will be links to all that information for you. Again, thank you, Tofa, for being my guest today. And uh, thank you all.
1: Thanks. Glad to be here.